get ready for Unriveted Radio on Super Talk 1270. Now, here's Travis Feist and Rob McLeod. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Dakota Customs Unriveted. I'm your host, Travis Feist, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Rob McLeod. Happy Friday, guys. Happy Friday. This week kind of flew by kind of fast. We're ready to go. Yeah, it's... uh. It seemed like we just got done just coming into this thing on Monday and then already it's like it's Friday already. It's it's week has just flew by. We got a lot of stuff going on. You know, like always shops been just those those weeks are definitely preferred because it but by like Friday you're just gassed just from going hundred and thirty percent. But uh I think I'd much rather have it that way than Right. You know. And it's funny, it's like February's over Seems like about halfway over already, and it just seemed like it was just here, like started yesterday. I mean, just everything's just flying by super fast, it's and nice it's not even really that nice out yet. You know what that means, though. Riding season. That's right. Bike parts. Ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't, uh, didn't quite order the amount of parts I wanted to over the winter, but. Oh. Well, our winter flew by. I mean, I'm the same way, too. You know, I was supposed to work on my Road King and get that ready for this year's bike show, and. I think I've moved it more than I actually worked on it. But this winter, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was. It's just everything can't, flew by so fast. Can't rush perfection. Very true. Don't, don't ever half-ass a Harley-Davidson. No, and that's why it's taking three years just to put it up on the work, on the, that's on kind the of, that's stand. The best, that's the best way to look at it. Yeah, very true. Yeah. So today's episode, we have uh, Bob Simmers with us. He's our guest, and he is the car show coordinator for this upcoming car show that um, is going to be on March 4th and 5th at the Bismarck Civic Center. Uh, it's the El Zagel Duster Car Show, and this is uh, your second year. Thanks for uh, joining us. Well, thanks for having us. Absolutely. It's a so, to be here. Yeah, thanks. So tell us... Actually, I got a few questions for you, but let's start with like what got you, who started the El Zagel Duster and like what made it come about and create to be a car show? Well, you know, the El Zagel Shrine is a member of Shriners International and okay. that's the world's oldest and largest philanthropy and brotherhood for men. Hmm. And, uh, you know, our mission is we support children's hospitals and research centers and burn centers you know, worldwide. Mm-hmm. It's a worldwide organization. I got interested in uh, in the shrine back in the early seventies, and uh, because I I I like kids, mm-hmm. and uh, I know what the research and what the hospitals have done for kids. In fact, uh, you know, we've had a member of our own family that wasn't involved in the shrine hospitals, what didn't use the facilities, but the research that they'd done at the burn centers, you know, made him. Um, made survival from his ordeal, you know, much more pleasant. And, and uh, you know, he was a, at, a, at a year old, he was burned over, mm-hmm. he had second and third degree burns over, you know, 30 or 40% of his body. And if Uh-oh. you saw him today, he has no memory of it and he has no scars, you know, a couple of scars that, you know, but, you know, when, when you figure, you know, all that, all that went on and what we went through back then, mm-hmm. you know, to see him today, why well, it's just remarkable. That's so, pretty well, that's, pretty impressive that even with the technology they had at that at that time that he was able to recover, you know, sounds like essentially 100%. Yeah. Well, it's, it's with such a successful rate. Yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah. impressive. So they, 
you know, they do know what they're doing. You know, back in those days, why if, if you, you probably had less from a burn like that, you know, you probably had less than a 50% chance of, of survival. And, yeah. and, and uh, today it's, you know, it's like 98% or something like that wow. due to the research. So, so that's what got me interested. Plus, you know, I, I, I don't have a history of, of the Masonic venture or I was trying them in my family, but I was associated with some good friends when I was growing up whose parents were involved with it. And it, it was, uh, it was just a, a really outstanding organization to belong to. So, mm-hmm. and it's, it's old. I was, I don't remember when it started. I was doing some research on it, but it actually started in England, you know, many, many years ago. A lot of our forefathers, a lot of the, a majority of the, of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were Masons, which okay. you have to be a Mason before you can be a Shriner. Mm-hmm. And so it's been around a long time. Um, the Duster Car Club was uh, formed in 1962 by a group of, of, uh, of car enthusiasts here. And, and the Dusters is one of the many, what we call uniformed units that the Shrine has. You know, our temple is located in Fargo and uh, there's all kinds of different units, and the the mission was to have these uniform units that would go out and parade and 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 spread, you know, try to spread who we are and what we do, and uh, and you know, help with membership and those kinds of things. So, mm-hmm. try to increase our visibility by being a uniformed unit. So that's what the Dusters is, and our our specific group was you know interested in cars, so it became a it became a car organization, a car club. Oh, okay. So makes sense. Yeah, so, kind of a a good fit because everybody is drawn to a nice car or vehicle, and so you gain that visibility through the car, and which returns people see what you guys do kind of on the inside too. So it's sure. a good way to bring people in. And, yeah, yeah. You know, our units include. You know, we got the clowns over at Jamestown, and we got um, what used to be the plainsmen here. That was a group of singers and in Bismarck and they used to load up on a flatbed trailer and go into parades and, and, and do live presentations. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we have a group called the Oilers. It was a group of people who were, who were involved in the oil fields and, and, you know, um, we have what's called the, the Mandan Indians, which was a group that, uh, that, uh, had a, actually they had a personal connection to the, to the, uh, Indian tribes here in, Mm-hmm. in in the valley you know in the missouri valley so there was a lot of a lot of connections that way you know? so i always kind of wondered you know when parents would take me to parades and i'd see um the shriners zipping around in these little cars like i was like what are these guys about well i mean what what are, i mean i see them all the time they're like but and then i i didn't find out until years later what you guys actually yeah. what yeah. you know yeah we're known as the guys with the funny hats yeah right. essentially that's like the shriners <laughs> like oh that's yeah yeah, for the longest time, I thought you guys were part of a circus act. Until yeah, you actually. Well, there's some truth in that. Oh, okay. So it wasn't <laughs> you know, too far. Huh? You know, and you know, and it, and so you know, the function of this car show is to raise money mm-hmm. for our for our uh, charities. You know, and because of the, you know, the, some of the legal aspects, we can't say that everything that we take in goes to goes to our hospitals and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But it. It supports the activities that we do that raise money for the hospitals. Mm-hmm. That operating budget, you know, for our hospitals worldwide is in excess of three hundred million dollars. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, a million dollars yeah. a day. You know that mm-hmm. we have to raise. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So, and then you talk about 
you know, you thought we were part of a circus. Well, a month after the car show, you know, the Shrine Circus yep. is coming mm-hmm. into Bismarck also. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same concept as it, it, like the it's car the show, right? Group of, yeah. Know, mm. And so, you know, the the hierarchy of the of the of Shrinedom in North Dakota is we have we have actually have two temples in North Dakota. One is located in in uh, Grand Forks, and the other one is in Fargo. And so, everybody north of Highway 200 belongs to to Chem Temple out of Grand Forks, and everybody south of 200 belongs to the to the Fargo, Fargo Temple, yeah. to El Zagel. And we have people that are dual memberships and stuff like that. But then we have, like in the valley here, we have the uh, Missouri Valley Shrine Club. And so they're kind of the umbrella group over all of the uniformed units and clubs that are here in the valley. Hmm. So so we, we do have a little pecking order in the, wow. in the system too. So. so how many are you in this? In this region right here. Oh, I imagine. I think uh, we're somewhere around 150. Oh wow, good size. Yeah, yeah. So. so what what made you guys pick up? Because this is your second year, and you you know you said that this was established back in what did you say 62? 1962. The club was established. Yes. So what made you start with the car show last year? Was your first year? Like what what brought it upon, or like? Why the span, or like what started all this? Well, you know, when they when the car club started, their their big deal was every, you know, just about every night, one of the guys had a shop, mm-hmm. and they restored their own cars. You know, it was to is to preserve the heritage of the automobile is is what their mission was, mm-hmm. and that's what they did back then. And then we went through a time where, you know, there wasn't so much building; guys were buying cars, and and then, you know, and then we you got to the point where you know the last. 10 years or so, you know, you've seen the car show, the area car, summer car shows start mm-hmm. to increase. And one of the guys said, you know, we should have a, we should, we're a car club. We should be doing a summer car show. And I looked around and I, you know, I see that, you know, the Fargo toppers have been doing it for a long time. You know, we've got prime steel up at, up at Grand Forks. Uh, we got the Dakota uh, Prairie cruisers up at mm-hmm. Minot. You know, they all do, you know, winter car shows. Jamestown does the winter car mm-hmm. show. You know, and we haven't had a winter car show in Bismarck since the World of Wheels left in the early sure. 90s. Right. And I thought, you know, I have a hard time seeing how these how these summer shows raise any significant funds for their charities. Mm-hmm. And if it just looked like an opportunity that, that Bismarck was probably ready for, you know, because we hadn't had an indoor car show in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so we... You know, the we presented the uh, the thought, and everybody thought, yeah, it's probably a good idea, but we're a little skeptical. And of course, after mm-hmm. the turnout we had at last year's show, where mm-hmm. they were more than enthused to get on board this year, and I feel like it was again. pretty strategic that you guys went ahead and filled that winter car show void, and also the time of year you do it. It's okay, March, weather's starting to get nice. People are really. Um, Kind of just in that that mindset that they want to, um, you know, these cars are getting back on the road. I think it was really strategically and, and you know, well timed. Mm-hmm. I believe. Well, we but, hope so. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, last year's car show was I, my hats off. Like yeah. it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, but you, you know, you can't please all of them because you know, what, mm-hmm. the biggest thing we hear is, well, we don't know if the weather's going to be nice <laughs> enough, you know, and we can't, you know, we don't want to take our cars out. Mm-hmm. The other one we hear is, well. You know, it's way in the back of the barn, and there's campers and boats and stuff in front of it, and we can't get to it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if, if this thing's going to continue, I, you know, I would hope that 
you prepare to prepare a little mm-hmm. better. Yeah. So, you know, our, our car count to date is where it was last year at this time. Um, but, you know, I always get a little bit on pins and needles about this time of year saying, you know, I got some slots to fill yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, if there's cars out there, um, you know, <clears throat> we, we welcome them. And we don't have a, we don't have a year cutoff. You know, I mean, this thing is, is I'm not interested in the multi in the million dollar show car that sits on the trailer. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm interested in bringing in the cars that you might see on cruise night, but you mm-hmm. don't get close to in this way. People can come, you know, and like you guys coming with your project cars and stuff. I think that's great because mm-hmm. you get, you know, young people involved and they look and they see what's involved with it. And even, you know, the, 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 what we call them show cars, but the, but the, the, the cars that come in, you know, if they're a work in progress, that's, I, I think that's good because, you know, a young kid that's in school can come and he'll look at these and say, well, you know, my dad's got one of those and I can take my time and I can do this. You know, mm-hmm. I can get started doing it. So. Yeah. I think having it in March is a good thing, you know, especially up here. It's our summers. It just, you know, everybody says it, you know, it seems like our summers are already so short. You're trying to pack so much and four or five months, if you're lucky, if you get that, that much of an actual true summer out of it, then you got to take in consideration that, you know, every family event, every anniversary, every, you know, family function happens. You got camping, fishing, you got car shows, bike shows. There's so much that goes on in such a small, short span that, you know, it's like your first day of spring. And then it's like the next day it's your, first day of fall and it's like where'd the summer go and you don't get to relax and you try to squeeze all that in such a short amount of time so i think by kind of jumping the gun a little bit and having it early is a i think it's a great time because people are wanting to get out of the house you know they've been cooped up all winter long it gets them out to enjoy um and the second thing is is you kind of get everybody gearing up for like hey it's march the first car show next thing you know it's they're peeking outside, the sun's shining, it's starting to look a little nicer, we're going to get the hot rods out, you know, and yeah. so I think it's a good start to the season, especially in the car world. I think it's awesome that it is the first, especially in the area, it is the first car show, so it's like, it's kind of the, the first interaction that people have. They're going to be most excited, you know, because it's the first the first car show of the year, people are pumped up about it, you know, they hit that, you know, that second and third car show, it's like, well, they already been to one, they, they kind of lose that enthusiasm, so I think it's, from that dynamic, it's it's it's, it's well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the, the other mission is to to expose the you know allied industry. You know, like you mm-hmm. guys coming there and showing what you can do. You know, what you're about is important too. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's you know that's where it's at these days. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I have to admit too. You know, for your guys's first one that you put on last year, I was really impressed. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't. Um, half thought it wasn't partially put together you know i feel like everything down to the trophies you guys did a great job especially like i said for your first one i i thought it was a great turnout um it was almost a probably what 90 percent, 95 percent occupancy i mean the place was full i mean we, yeah. the vendors were all there um one thing i liked about it that it wasn't so overly busy that we couldn't get to everyone but it was just busy enough that we were able to one-on-one with anybody that was to our booth you know that somebody wanted to come up and look at the projects that we had on display last year 
that if a customer or potential customer or even a fan or whatever that wanted to come up and they wanted to talk to us, like we yeah. actually could take the time that yeah. we weren't getting. Because, I mean, we've we've done a lot of car shows, and Buggies and Blues is probably our biggest one in this area. Far more chaotic. Yeah, There's, but it's a wait. lot. It's a lot of just, it's a family Sunday get out of church, killing time kind of a thing. And and there's a lot of people that walk through there, but it's not a lot of potential customer kind of based. Um, where your guys' show, we had a lot of people come, but it was nice because we could actually spend that few minutes and it just seemed like it was more directed to people that had an interest in it for being there, that they, you know, they came there to look at cars maybe a potential project they had in mind, get some information. And we, we even talked to a few, few clients too, that, you know, they came straight out and they're like, you know, I'm not looking for you guys to do it, but this is what I'm running into. Or what would you suggest for breaks? Or what would you suggest for this or that? And just the info that we were just more than pleased to just point them in the right direction that we were able to take that time and do it. And uh, so I, I mean, I, I did when we left, I, I was like, you know, I was impressed for the very first show. It was very well put together. And it was kind of odd because I know on Friday when we were bringing trailers full of cars there, it was cold and windy and snowing and sleeting. And I'm yeah. thinking, what were they thinking? Having like, <laughs> nobody's going to come to this car show. I mean, it's, it's it was so cold. Though. I remember, I mean, it was uh, you know, unloading the cars, it was, the wind was blowing, it was sleeting out. I mean, it was horrible. But Sunday when we were taking everything out, the sun was out, it was warm out, there was water puddles everywhere and just the drastic in, in that two-day period. But, yeah, it was a great show. I just wow. kind of feel like that the the standards and how you guys actually run the Shriners, you kind of applied those same standards on how you're going to do a car show there was nothing half-assed about it, and that mm-hmm. was appreciated from a vendor standpoint that mm-hmm. it was literally zero hassle. Mm-hmm. So I just oh, good. felt like it was super well-ran. Yeah, even just the accommodation, too, for helping us out with everything, getting set up and, and the barriers and everything. Like, you guys are more than above helpful. Um, and, you know, even the biggest thing, too, is I've been doing car shows now for – probably total 15 years I've been doing car and bike shows and there's some I'll never go back to. Um, and there's a lot that when you show up and the people, the, the organization and the people that put on these car shows, when they come to you and they're like, are you good? Do you need anything? Do you need help with anything? You let us know, you let us know. And it really makes you feel appreciative that, you know, they appreciate you being there. And, um, and that's how you guys were too, even with the car show. Like even all the way up to the end when we were um, bringing cars out, like I know your crew was walking around, you guys need help, you need help, let us know, you need carts. And uh, again, that really makes us feel good for the appreciation that you appreciate us as much as we try and appreciate, you, you know, you guys as putting on the show for us. So like I said, I my hats are off to you and it was good. So I'm really excited to see the second one, um, you know, and what how it all goes. But yeah. I think it's going to be a good show. Oh, for sure. Yeah, usually um, these car shows, like I said, we work a full week. Then we go to these car shows. We're already exhausted from our week. Mm-hmm. And so it's like sometimes you just don't have that um, that fire lit underneath you to go and, you know, communicate with these people. And it's like I enjoyed that car show from start to finish. Mm-hmm. It's, there's, I'll tell you right now, there's car shows where it's just like just gets dragged out. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're not um, – 
you don't want to be there 100 right, really yeah. you know but well i i've been doing these car shows for over 50 years my first mm-hmm. one i i did when i was just right out of high school i did a topper show in 1968 oh, yeah. and uh, and i've been watching this industry for a long time i've mm-hmm. had a lot of cars myself and i you know and and that was my one of my goals was everybody has to be happy because you know we don't make the show mm-hmm. you know we put it together but you guys you make the show and you know we've we've taken you know last year we had survey forms for everybody to fill out and we've taken that to heart and so we've made some we've made some changes and most of the changes most of the complaints that came on the on the surveys just reinforced stuff that we'd already seen during the deals mm-hmm. you know during the course of the show so so some of the changes we've made this year that i think everybody's you know going to be happy with you know if you remember saturday night was a bust you know so we're going to shut down at six o'clock yeah i got to be a long yeah long, and long we're gonna, day <laughs> then we're gonna all of the vendors and the car show people you know the the car owners and stuff we're going back to the elks and we're gonna we're gonna have uh, orders for you you know heavy orders you know yeah. come and chow down on sandwiches and mm. And uh, and be a time you know to for the community to to get together and talk about you know cars. I mean that's sure. what we do, right? Right. Yep. That's, that's what we do. Cars so and bikes. Maybe yep. we'll yep. Uh, get to hit that this year because I remember I had some. Uh, well, I love them, but I had some whoppers delivered and they didn't really sit too well with you. <laughs> uh, dude, I remember that you asked your mom to bring you food. Well, bring us food, and uh, God forbid, man, I. Your parents are awesome. Yeah, you know, I do have to say, hey, your your dad stops in quite a bit. I don't get to see much of your mom, but like the one time I met your mom and you asked her to bring us food and she messed up the order and I thought you, I thought the world was going to come to an end. And, uh, but at that point, I think we were both pretty hangry. You know, we were, those whoppers didn't stand a chance, but yeah. your mom tried hard though. Bless her heart. She tried. Yeah, she's a great lady. Yeah, she is. So get, uh, what, so last year, what did you, um, what did you do for for raising money? Did did you guys tally up, or what, what did the uh, car well, we, show bring in we, last year? We far exceeded what what we had thought. You know, we when we put this thing together, we thought, you know, obviously the first year we're not going to make any money. That was our our mindset, and our our goal is to have this thing to where it where it nets, um, you know, in excess of fifty thousand dollars a year that we can you know, use on our charities. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we really have to, to thank Puck the Chevrolet for coming on board because they've, you know, they put, they put a lot of money in the kitty and this year they're taking over just about all the advertising expenses. I mean, they're into this thing big time. Nice. And, uh, without, without, uh, Steve and, and, uh, the Pucklich family's backing of this thing, why it, it wouldn't have happened last year either. Mm-hmm. So they've been real, real instrumental in making this thing happen. So, um, we've got, uh, we've got more vendors this year, you know, actually we got one of the, that, that was one of my, I can't say a heartburn, but last year I would, what I was disappointed in was that we had a lot of car vendors, you know, and, and that's fine, but mm-hmm. we need to do something to cater to the kids and we need to do something to cater to the, to the female audience also. I mean, mm-hmm. the females are, are car enthusiasts, you know, right along with us. My, my wife has her own. 68 Firebird convertible, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. she gets it when a box of parts shows up and, you know, maintenance. Happens. She knows what it's like. Yeah, yeah. she does. <laughs> but, you know, not all of them are that way. And so this year we've got, uh, you know, we, we've got some, 
some lesser, um, not uh, not car related stuff. You know, we got some jewelry vendors coming. We got some Tupperware vendors. Uh, you know, we got some uh, uh, man cave and and woman cave stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, coming. So, and we've actually got. Uh, last year, I think we were like at uh, sixteen or eighteen vendor booths, and this year we're almost forty. Oh wow! wow. Yeah. So it's just been well received, and there's still there's still a couple out there. I just, in fact, while I was standing in the lobby out here getting ready for this, well, I got another call, you know, another outfit, a a, a good sized vendor wants to come. So, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, so we've got good sponsors. We have, uh, um, you know, Wagner Financial and Meekum Auctions got on board with mm-hmm. us this year, and that was that was uh, a good, you know, that that helped get early car registration mm-hmm. in. So. So they had a chance to win. Um, what was it uh, for two to two, go to the two, two gold passes? Yeah, right to to any to any car show, that, oh. any car auction that Meekum has in the next year. You can choose. Oh wow, oh, that's okay. cool. Yeah, and uh, they're, the the winner is going to Glendale this year. But and then uh, Wagner Financial stepped up and they put fifteen hundred dollars in the in the kitty so that we will reimburse them up to $1,500 for travel and lodging expenses. Oh, oh nice. So they, so they bring back the, bring back the receipts and, you know, if, if they spent the whole thing fine and if they didn't, you know, what they didn't spend will goes into our kitty for, for charities. Oh, nice. And that was for the people that pre-registered from what was it? February prior, prior, prior to February 3rd, third and, and earlier that yeah. they, they were enabled for that chance to win that trip. Right. Wow. That'd have been pretty nice. Yeah. And you'll, Yolander Wall is her name. She's the president of the of the Rough Rider Chevy Club. She was the one that won the drawing. So. Oh, so you already picked it. We, and we picked it, it. Oh, and okay. we notified them because you you know if you want to go to that Glendale show, you need a couple months to make some arrangements. So. Oh shoot! So I knew we should put more cars in there. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to. I thought you guys were going to win it, you know, man, with, all the, with all the entries you put in. So we should have just put more in just to guarantee that trip. We but. put our pickups in there just to get a chance to win. Yeah. What's, this, th- what's this truck doing? Yeah, yeah. We should have just said, um, we'll just take all of them and then yeah. we'll just turn around and sell them back to you guys yeah. after yeah. the drawing. But uh, maybe next year we can maybe see if we can year. get something in there. Or we yeah. just make a road trip and just. Do I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. that's a write-off, right? Going to maybe Meekum or Fair Jackson. I mean, Absolutely. it's car-related. For sure it is. Yeah, and all yeah. we got to do is say the word Dakota Customs, and it's a write-off. Covered. So, there you go. yeah, it's, I think it'd be an easy Whatever one. Whatever you say, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's good. So, you know, you're kind of a – you said you're a car guy. What, what do, you, do you still have a, some cars collection? What do you, what do you got? got or? A, I've got a collection of, of old Model Ts. Okay. You know, um, 26 and older, and then I've got I've got six Pontiacs in my collection. Pontiac guy. In our collection. So Let's I talk about those so. Pontiacs. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, my dad bought a, uh, a 62 Catalina Safari mm. wagon, new. Yeah. That was his first new car. And when I was building my first car in high school, I drove his car to school, and it you know, back in 62, that the 389 was a pretty good hot rod. Mm-hmm. And that station wagon was a pretty good hot rod. And I'm sure dad's turning over right now. Yeah. I talk about this. But, <laughs> so I, I always wanted to, I always wanted to build a station wagon. And I started this project in the late nineties, you know, before station wagons really became popular. I'm sure yep. I wanted to do something different. And obviously Pontiacs were different and station wagons were different. So, so I spent 14 years, um, 
wrestle riding a, a 62 Pontiac Safari station wagon. So it's got a 500 horse aluminum headed big block Pontiac in it, tricked out turbo 400 air ride. I, uh, I raced cars for 25 years. I had a, I had a chassis shop where I built race cars oh, and wow. I understand suspension and, and stuff. So I had all the tooling and stuff to make all my own tubular a arms and, mm-hmm. and, uh, redid the car. But, um, there's not one alteration in the body on the outside. All the original chrome. That's cool. That's uh, the way to do it. You know, and uh, and so, but it's on air. And then uh, uh, we redid the the whole interior in the car, and and just it, it's won a prize at every car show that it's been to. Oh wow! And uh, so is that a four fifty five block or a four hundred block? Four fifty five block. Cool. Yeah, you don't see a lot of, you know, going to like Carson's. You don't see a lot of done up Pontiacs period but then you throw a station wagon in there you definitely yeah. don't see those yeah. every day not at car shows and uh you know we did uh we did we, i found this this car out in in uh wyoming and it was there was just about no rust in the car but the front fenders had been had been hacked up on it because somebody drove it off a dead end someplace and oh, really? and wrinkled the front end of it up a little bit and uh <laughs> so the the i mean you know, yeah, that's a long car. It's 17 and a half feet long. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the the body panels are just absolutely straight on it. The door fits and everything. I mean, it just turned out really, really well. And as I was trying to, as I was looking for parts for the car, it took me two years to find the, the car I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And then uh, here somebody on, on uh, I think it was on eBay, had a set of brand new fenders that were still in the box that they were sent to the dealership in, in 1962. And they came out of New Jersey and they were expensive, but you know, the, the time and energy to take and cut out mm-hmm. the old fenders and, and make them new again, you know, it was a wash, Yeah, you know, it was a wash. So, and now I got nice new fenders on the car. Yeah. So. Anybody knows if you're restoring cars or even in this car industry that Pontiacs and, and Dodge and Mopar are, like you definitely got to know what you're doing to restore those because not only are the parts readily available, they're you one. Know, they're you, two that. you also know yeah. what to pay for them too because yeah. you're you're just not going to open up any uh, aftermarket company or or any uh, website and just pick your poison on what you want for parts because it doesn't work like that when it comes to Pontiacs and Mopar. So you know what it takes to, you yeah. know, the involvement on restoring a Pontiac that a, it's not cheap and B it takes a lot of time. Cause you either, you got to search and search and search for the parts, you know? So it's, it's a challenge. Yep. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm kind of a, an old soul at heart, but I, everybody that looks at Pontiacs, obviously Pontiacs not around anymore, but like the younger generation, they look at Pontiacs and they see, oh, well, they made vans, they made grand dams and grand prix, but the, what they don't realize is that, Pontiac was that premier brand for many years in the early stages of their company. Mm-hmm. And they just, their cars just stand out and they're, they're just well done. And I got mm-hmm. such an appreciation for Pontiacs. Um, well, they, when they came out with the 64 GTO, that was mm-hmm. credited yeah. as becoming the start of the muscle car era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I have a 64 uh, Le Mans convertible that's been GTOized. And of oh. course, that was just a matter of putting the badges on. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, there really wasn't anything different about them. And then I have a, a '74 Super Duty Pontiac, which I bought new. There were 943 of them built, and uh, and I still got the car. 
thanks to my wife. Oh, and uh, sounds like a keeper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my my son was in when he was in high school. He took auto body up at the vocational center, and mm-hmm. so we completely we did a we did a a total nut and bolt restoration of that wow. car in in uh, nineteen ninety seven. It took us six months while he was going to school and I was working full time, and we completely disassembled the whole car, rebuilt it, and put it back together. Six months. Six months. Wow. In That's our impressive. Own yeah. And he did all the paint and everything. And we had that car to the National Pontiac Convention this summer and, and won our class with it and got an oh, original wow. owner's award oh, wow. with that car. That's, That's impressive. So it's, it's, it's kind of a showpiece. So. Yeah, it's something to be proud of. Yeah. yeah. We're, uh, we're in the sheet metal stage of a 69 Firebird, and we're putting a, a Pontiac block in it. Um, You'll appreciate this car when it's done. It's going to be badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 69 Bird. It's, you didn't, know, he, it's, didn't he have the motor, like, some professional builder in, like, Pennsylvania or that's something? That's right around or, 700 horse. Yeah. So, like, Butler? Nope. No, I don't think it was. Um, it's on the I, East Coast. Um, I'll probably know here because I'm going to start making some phone calls yeah. as we get to that stage of the car. But, um, yeah, but I know Butler's big on them Pontiac yeah. blocks yeah. too. So I, I have an interesting project now. I'm working on a 62 Tempest Safari. Oh, really? You know, and there is, and you can't get parts for those. Oh, no. You know, you can't even find fenders or anything. So, Mm-mm. so I've been, I don't see so well anymore in my old age, but it's been a, that's been a blessing in disguise because now I don't, when I'm well, well working on sheet metal, mm-hmm. I don't make long welds. I just make little short welds, you know, yeah. and everything yeah. comes out pretty nice. So, yeah. So I'm, a, a guy that's short on patience sometimes when it comes to that <laughs> stuff. So yeah, but uh, one of the one of the interesting things about the, the Pontiacs in that era was, you know, in '61 and '62 they built the Swiss cheese cars or the super, original Super Duties, you know, that had 421, two fours, you know, and 405 mm-hmm. horse, and they were the they were the the hot rod of the day back then, you know, at the drag strip. But in 1963, Pontiac built 12 Tempests that had 421 Super Duty engines in them. And they ran, you know, sub-11s right off the factory, you know, Jeez. back in 1963. That's unreal. And so they had the 421 Super Duty, two fours and headers. And, of course, they had, a, obviously, they were beefed up because, you know, that car is a transaxle car, mm-hmm. you know, and has yep. what they call a rope drive shaft in them. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a... So what I'm doing is I'm trying to clone this 62 so when you open the hood, it'll look like a Super Duty under the hood. But uh, you got how's, how's, that out. how's that going for you? Well, with the car show, I don't get much time to work. <laughs> yeah, <out>. probably not. <laughs> so it's been at a standstill for a while. Yeah. So, is there any like competitive bad blood talk at the household about whose car's faster or any racing or anything done in your household between you two? No, not not between us. So. Really. But, no, uh, like my car's faster or want to well, race well, or do you guys ever like get in an argument and be like, let's take this out on the street and race or <laughs> nothing like that? No, nah, we're getting too old for that. <laughs> yeah. Are you uh, really ever too old? <laughs> no, but we, we're still, you know, we dabble with drag racing a little bit. You know, I raced circle dirt tracks for 25 years. Okay. And so, uh, you know, it's, it'll always be in your blood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm one of the things I learned over the years in the, in the, you know, during the winters, you know, when they, when we go to the races that I don't make a good spectator, so I don't go to the races much anymore. Oh, I suppose. Yeah. 
But it is fun, though. I mean, I think if you're a car guy, it's it's definitely in your blood. It is. You know, it's it's very hard, you know, and that's it's kind of like the same thing that, uh, you know, I've been hitting car shows for years. I've, I've been to Barrett-Jackson. I've been to um, Hot August Nights in Reno, which, you know, they're huge car shows. The Good Guy Tour, I've been, I've been to a couple of those, and and it's just like – I seriously, you could drop me off with a backpack of snacks and water and I'll see you in days. Like I can, I'm just, I'm so happy. Like you just walk and look at cars and look at cars and look at cars. And, and, you know, we had a podcast, our previous podcast with, you know, coming up the the EV world and, you know, and how that's affecting everything. And to me, it's, it's like, you know, I respect everybody's opinion, but when you're a true, true in the blood car guy, like you'll just never get over that rumbling sound. You'll never get over that that you know obnoxious engine exhaust squealing tires. I mean, it just like you can't get enough of that. And and I, I I'm a true believer. Like when if it's in your blood, you'll always have a love for it, no matter what. I was talking to somebody the other day. I I, I think it was about the new the Chevy EV pickup that's coming out mm-hmm. it has all those sound effects in it so you oh, can, really you so can make can... that you can make that happen so. yeah. <laughs> well it's a compromise but i don't think it's the same thing I, though. Oh, i agree with you no i agree it's, with uh, you. there's just something about getting in into that muscle car and starting it and just just to feel it everything like it's just it's a feeling like you're just never going to get from an ev that's you right. know and, and i know they all have their purpose and their their cause you know in the ev world but it's just like when you're a car guy, like you look forward to that kind of stuff. You know, it's just you, you, you just you strive it. Yeah. Kind of what makes you work so hard because it's like, A, you want your car to sound better than the next guy's. And then you're also chasing that sound that you want and that look. And it's just when it comes full circle, there's nothing more gratifying than yeah. just it makes all the hard work late nights, early mornings worth it. Mm-hmm. And there's so. something too about when you're building a car that when you first initial turn that key and you hear that baby fire off, boy, just any real car guy will just give you goosebumps. And I know you guys probably appreciate that same thing too, you know, getting in your car and even working on it for months or years. And that first time you fire it, even if it backfires, it still puts a smile on your <laughs> yeah. face. Like it don't matter. It just, Hey, we'll take it. You know, it's yeah. just, and even from the standpoint of us building cars for other people, when they get that first initial feeling, it feels really good to us it too. It does. Yeah. So it's um, mm-hmm. love cars. It's just, yeah, it's, bikes were the same way too when I was building bikes. So just the simple fact of when you when you get done in the mock-up stage, and that thing was an all bare metal, but you know it was completely assembled. In and I I every one I'd, I'd like wheel outside or I'd wheel it out in the middle of the shop and I'd step back and I'd just stare at it and seeing it in that, that bare metal. And it was just like, there's a certain feeling that you just don't get unless, you know, and, and it's a car the same way too. When you get to that point where that thing's about ready for, for paint and, and uh, the, the final stage of going to the paint, you just step back and you're just like, wow, you know, it's just, you appreciate, you just love that, that feeling that you get by seeing these projects come to life. And then you step back and you're like, I built that, you know, and just that self-satisfaction. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's a great feeling, but I I truly believe it's in your blood. It's it's in your blood. Yeah. And I don't think I'll, I'll ever get rid of it. And I'm, I'm the same way too. You know, if it's, 
if, if somebody asks, you know, what's something you want to do in your free time, it's anything with like car, bike show, riding bike, like anything involving those two. I'm in, you know, and then it seems like everything else you're like, well, should I, shouldn't I? But you bring those two things up and it's not even like a, you just don't even think twice. You're like, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's pretty nice. Yeah. We're not really, uh, go sit on a beach and drink beer guys. We're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let's, uh, let's twist some throttle. Yeah. Um, that's about what I'm about too. Well, you haven't grown wings yet, so you haven't experienced the, the- no, I, no, um, I always thought it'd be kind of fun to kind of get into like getting your license, yeah. but I figured, you know what, being a guy with hot rods, which I've got a few, I've got motorcycles, which I've got a few, <laughs> <laughs> uh, trucks. I have a few. Do I need another expensive hobby? I think, <laughs> I think already yeah, if that's... I was to take all that and be like, well, let's add an airplane in there too. I think, I don't know. Might get a little much, but I don't know. Like well, finding, finding the time too. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah. you know, how do you enjoy all that stuff? And, and and you know, and that's the biggest thing of the conversations that you know I've been telling even myself lately. It's well, we have a pond too, and you know, I love to fish. I mean, that's kind of a lot of my, uh, you know, just to clear my head. Other than you know, getting on the bike, like that's what I enjoy. It's some peace and quiet. Put a rod in my hand, and I enjoy that. And and it's like. God, now you almost got a plan to to start taking in and using your car and using your bike and using your pontoon. Next thing you know, it's, you know, now on top of it, it's like, well, now we have to fly somewhere because we have this plane sitting there. You know what I mean? So I think, I think it's on my list, but I, it's just not there yet. But I do, I, I have friends that have gotten their license and, and they say the same thing too. Like it's, it's a whole different experience. It and, is. If you think fishing is relaxing, like, yeah, you know, just. I mean, you know, recreational flying is relaxing because it's, you get up and you get above all of the, all of the hustle and bustle and, and, mm-hmm. you know, from a thousand feet, everything looks perfect on the ground. You know, all the lines are straight and mm-hmm. every yard is manicured. Yeah, you know, yeah. Everything looks perfect from up there. Yeah. And of course we all know that that's not the case. But, no. <laughs> but that's, you know, it's, it's very relaxing to get mm-hmm. up there and just, just yeah, float I've, around. So. So, yeah. I've heard that. When you're up in the air and say you get to your cruising altitude, your cruising speed, I guess, how interactive is it? I mean, obviously you got to watch your controls and monitor, but you're not like constantly making adjustments and, you know, as far as operating, it's pretty, once you get up there, it's almost. Well, you know what? You can. Yeah, but that's what they have. We have, there's a, there's a gamut (laughs) of, you know, we have airplanes, you know, that the older airplanes that you, that you can fly that you fly all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and to the latest in technology where I can sit in the, I can sit in the office, I can program my whole flight on the, on my, on my iPhone, Bluetooth it into the airplane when I get there. And once the airplane is airborne, I hit the flight management system and it takes over and it flies the airplane up, levels it off, flies it to the destination, oh, starts in descent and you never touch anything. And that, wow. that, that technology is there. In fact, the, the latest that, technology in the industry now is uh, is um, is a big red button in the in the top of the ceiling, and if the pilot becomes incapacitated, anybody inside the airplane can hit that button. They gain control, and and that it'll the computer will take over. It'll allow it. It notifies uh, air traffic control that there's an emergency on board. 
then it canvasses all the airports, suitable airports within a certain distance of the airplane, programs itself, flies to that airport, shoots the approach, and lands itself. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, that's, that's where the technology, you know, has, has that's where, what it's gotten to now. Wow. You know, it's just, it's fantastic. Yeah, you know? it's and it's, and it, it's, it even makes it more relaxing. You it know? does. I mean, especially if you're going someplace on a trip, you know why. You know, it used to be if you flew eight hours away, you know, you were tired at the end of the day because mm-hmm. you had to pay attention. And, mm-hmm. and now you get it up there and you hit the flight management system. It takes over. You turn on the XM radio and you, you cruise for eight hours and you're not tired at the end of the day. Yeah. So, it's, a, it's a good safety feature. Kind of like is. something mm-hmm. in between from fully flying it to full autopilot, just a little interaction here and there to, to be operating to set so that sweet spot would be mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, Get on it, Rob. Start getting your license. <laughs> How much do planes run these days? I mean, a good plane will probably set you back. What do you want? It? You know, I'm trying to negotiate a raise here with Travis. <laughs> negotiate? <laughs> what? I need to know how much I need to make for him to buy a plane. Uh, better stop buying so many bike parts. <sighs> yeah. See. No, you can get into an airplane, you know, a basic airplane for... A decent one for thirty-five to forty thousand. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you want a new state-of-the-art airplane, it's a million bucks for sure. Yeah. Well, then you got to decide: is it a plane or jet? Because there's different. Well, I haven't yeah. talked. We haven't talked jet. Yeah. Yet. So, <laughs> so, yeah. But the new, the new Cirrus with uh, all the bells and whistles is in excess of a million bucks now. Yeah. Or, but it has that. It, it's the leader in the industry right now. It's the one that has developed this new flight management system. <clears> everything you know, they're really. Mm-hmm. really technologically advanced that's all yeah. you can say about them nice. oh my grandpa had a, a king air twin prop are those still the good planes they are king very air? good yeah very, very solid you know a really good airplane sure yeah. Yeah. yeah well what the heck well if you're ever looking for somebody to go with you somewhere and just you know how to get a hold of me yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll i'll ride along definitely yeah so the car show that's uh, coming up here is, um, I believe, what's March fourth and fifth at the uh, event center, event center, Bismarck yep. event center. Setup day is the third. So like last year, the we're going to bring the vendors in early and get the out, get the perimeter set up, and then uh, we'll start bringing the cars in and the other stuff. So mm-hmm. and the hours are nine to six. Nine to, nine to six on Saturday, and uh, nine to four. We're going to do the awards at four. On we have you out of there by. 6.30, we hope, you know. So. Okay. One of the things we've got new this year, too, that I, I, we hope takes off is uh, we're doing uh, uh, valve cover races. I don't know if you've heard about that. Mm. We've had it out on on our website and in social media, but but um, we have a set of rules, and it actually started in Jamestown. They had one this winter there, and they were expecting 15 cars, and they had 40-some. I mean, but you take a valve cover and you build it, and they've, they've built a ramp that's uh, 8 feet long and 2 feet high, and then it extends out about 20 feet. It's just a drag race, you know, for. So it's kind know. of like the old, what do they call it? The, with the, was it the Boy Scout? Yeah. Wooden, yeah. what was the name? It was like uh, a, soap wasn't it like. Soapbox. Soapbox. Is that what yeah. it was? Yeah. yeah. Soapbox. So it's kind of like the same concept, but use yeah. valve covers. Yeah. Oh, what the heck. Yeah. So you guys should be building a couple for that. <laughs> oh, man. Now it doesn't you, take long. So, you know. Yeah. We're going to get into it. <laughs> and we might do something. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I but, just. My got, bike's faster than his. I'm just. So. I got parts for mine yesterday, so, and I've already got it half built, and it's, it's I'm gonna it's gonna have probably an hour in building this thing. So, oh wow! You know, and I'm not saying it's gonna win, but it'll still look good but, though. But it, but it'll it, 
Obviously, it'll be a Pontiac. Well, Pontiac obviously. <laughs> yeah. I think that was a given. Yeah. Well, good. So, well, hopefully that uh, for all of you that uh, can make it, that um, and that's again March 4th and 5th at the Bismarck Event Center. Um, and starts at 9 till 6. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can see whoever there and come and check us out. We'll yeah. be there. Yeah. We'll I have mean, cars on display. We'll have a booth. To our uh, millions of listeners, please, I mean, it's, come down. it's a good time. It's yeah. worth your time. It's, it's fun. You'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you having me here. This, yeah, is, absolutely, yeah, Bob. Yeah, thanks yeah, for really, coming in. Really and, enjoyed this. And yeah, visiting with been us. A good time. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so you guys post like what you actually. So like down the road, will you have like what the show actually? Because I know a lot of people ask. You know, they want to know like, well, what did it raise, or what what did you guys you know get off of the show to where? Last year we netted twelve thousand dollars. That's, that's and that great. Was way that was you know we like I said earlier we didn't expect to. We didn't expect to do anything. You know, mm-hmm. we, it, it, we had some backers that said, you know, here's some seed money and we'll help you get started and, you know, pay us back whenever you get there. Well, mm-hmm. you know, we paid off everything that all the seed money got paid off. And so this year we're sure. operating on our own. And As you kind of got it streamlined too, you'll cut costs there too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. and again, you know, our thanks to Puckler Chevrolet for mm-hmm. really That's awesome. stepping up here. So, And we try to get involved with, you know, charitable events quite a bit and do whatever we can. And, you know, every little bit helps, you know, there's it never, does. there's never like a max dollar amount, but what's nice is, you know, if, if, if you raise a thousand or 12 or 15 or 20,000 or whatever, it, Hey, it's better than nothing. And it all, it all helps. And it all goes into the kitty. And so. the picture is bigger than the car show because it's exposure for everybody that's there. Yep. It's exposure for us as Shriners, yep. you know, so that the next time we go out someplace and somebody says, you know, well, oh yeah, we saw you at the car show, you know, or we saw this. So, yep. so there's two websites, you know, we have uh, what, called uh, uh, the North Dakota Mason.com is a place they can go if people want to learn more about membership. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other one is be a Shriner. Isn't that what it is? Be a, be a Shriner.com. I think it is. So mm-hmm. if you, if you uh, Google Shrine, why you can sure. get there. We, we are not, you know, contrary to what you, what everybody hears, we're not a secretive organization. No. We're not a, we're not a cult, you know, yeah. um, the, the only question that we ask is that you have a, that you have a, a, uh, a belief in a supreme being and sure you yeah. get here by accident so nice well thanks bob for yeah. being on our show um i do appreciate it so again check out the car show bismarck uh, event center march 4th and 5th starting at nine and again if you have any comments or questions about future podcasts or our previous stuff don't forget to check us out on our website dakotacustoms.com check out our facebook dakota customs and uh until next time thanks for listening and we'll see you later thanks guys Thanks for listening to Unriveted Radio. Also available on demand with the Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Download in the App Store or Google Play today. Unriveted Radio, presented by Dakota Customs, a full-service custom garage on the Strip in Mandan.